United States Information Agency. 1945, American forces liberated the Philippine capital of Manila from the control of the Japanese Empire in World War II. And a notable day in hockey, 1980, the U.S. hockey team won its Do You Believe in Miracles gold medal. Final score, U.S. 4, Finland 2. The drama had begun with the U.S. team's upset win over the powerful Soviet team on February 22nd. And then the U.S. polished off Finland to clinch the gold. That was February 24th, 1980. Along with Mike Martini, I'm George Zahn for WMKV. And thank you, George. In traffic right now, watch out for an accident. 75 northbound at US 42 in Kentucky. A single vehicle off the side of the road there on the right side. On the Ohio side of the river, southbound 75 in Lachlan, there's an accident on the left shoulder. It's not in the lanes of traffic, but of course, folks are still slowing down to take a look. West side, uh, Glenway at Grand, an accident, and also Banning at Acre. And we have delays, uh, 75 northbound off and on uh, from Mitchell to Paddock, 75 southbound around the Brent Spence Bridge, 71 northbound near Pfeiffer, some backups. Your forecast tonight calls for cloudy skies, a few scattered snow showers this evening with a low around 22. Tomorrow, uh, high temperature only around 32, 33 degrees with some more scattered snow showers. But by then, the accumulating, accumulating snow will be done and a total accumulation is less than an inch. For Friday, a cloudy skies, some more blowing snow showers, and a high around 35. Saturday, highs in the mid-30s. Sunday, upper 30s, and maybe even the 40s by next Tuesday, which will be March. Right now, it's 32 degrees here at 89.3 WMKV. The views and discussion expressed on this program do not necessarily represent those of the hosts of the program, WMKV, Maple Knoll Communities, its staff or management. The information and advice presented are educational in nature and not intended to be taken as legal, accounting, or other professional advice. Always consult with your own legal, accounting, or other professional before making any investment. Welcome to Real Life Real Estate Investing, a show to help you gain financial freedom by investing in real estate. Brought to you by the Real Estate Investors Association of Cincinnati and the Ohio Real Estate Investors Association. You're listening to Real Life Real Estate Investing on 89.3 FM WMKV. And now your host, Vena Jones-Cox. Good afternoon. I am Vina Jones-Cox, and this is Real Life Real Estate Investing, the nation's public radio real estate investing program. All information, no hype. And today is question and answer week here on Real Life Real Estate, which means that whatever you think the topic is, the topic is. Whatever you want to know about buying, selling, financing, renting, managing, fixing, entities, whatever you want to know about. Any question that you have today is perfectly fine, as long as it's about real estate. Uh, you can give us a call here in the studio at 772-9658 or 877-772-9658 if you're listening from outside the greater Cincinnati area. You can also send us an email at askvina at gmail.com. That's... A-S-K-V, like in Victor, E-N-A, at gmail.com. 
and uh, we will get it here in the studio, assuming that you send it uh, a ways before the end of the show, because I often log out uh, from here and then go home and find a bunch of questions from people who were asking them at the last minute. So if you are going to send an email, then go ahead and do it ASAP so that uh, we can uh, actually receive it before the end of the program. Remember, you can always fan us up at realliferealestateradio.com. We've got, uh, let's see, about uh, 1,386 members of that group on Facebook right now. And lots of folks posting uh, things about houses to buy and hold or fix and flip in Delaware and people who need transactional funding and somebody posted about a sale of property in Brazil. So there's some interesting stuff on there in addition to uh, the fact that if you join our fan site, you also get a weekly email with information about the upcoming show, the guests, and an article uh, for your education each week. Again, the numbers here in the studio, if you're in the greater Cincinnati area, 772-9658. If you're outside the greater Cincinnati area, it's 877-772-9658. And uh, really appreciate all you folks who send in questions early uh, based on the email that you get, because that allows me to actually have questions to answer on the Q&A show. Uh, because I don't come in here with some something prepared to talk about if uh, we don't have any questions or don't have enough questions. So very much appreciate those of you who write in early, including, oh boy, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to take a swipe at this name. Sinetti Chase from New York City, uh, who says, Vina, what specifically do you tell a homeowner who is facing foreclosure or just wants to sell his or her home that will convince you to get to convince them to give you the deed to their house. Do distressed homeowners really hand over the deed to a broker or investor? Uh, does there has to have to be a persuasive assertion from the investor or broker to convince them to hand the deed over? In any event, can you provide some meaty instructions on how to accomplish that end? Well, um, the reason that you are asking this question is because you have never tried to go to a homeowner who is uh, in distress and explain to them that uh, if they will give you the deed to your house, you will then take over the responsibilities for it, including the mortgage payment, taxes, insurance, repairs, maintenance, yard care, utilities, all of those sorts of things. Because you're going to be surprised to find that when you do do that, there are a huge number of people who are willing to sign that deed over to you. And I know it sounds crazy, but it is absolutely the case. Um, In fact, our problem right now is that there are more people who want to just hand over the deed to the house for no money down than there are whose whose, uh, houses you actually would want under those circumstances. Because... uh, we run across the case, we run across the situation many, many times these days where you've got a house that, yeah, they bought it five years ago for 550 yeah, they still owe 535 but the problem is now it's only worth $400,000, and uh, it doesn't make any sense for you to take the deed and, and take on the responsibility for a mortgage that is underwater like that. 
Also, I will add to that that it is even more common for folks who are behind on their payments to want to do this because to them, this is what it looks like. Okay, so I get to walk away from my house. You're going to make up the back's payments. You're going to make the payments from now on. My credit is going to be rescued. I have no further responsibilities. That is just so awesome. Uh, But you'll usually find out that if you work the numbers on the deal, that making up the back payments and taking over the existing payments doesn't work. That You've just got too much money invested in the property at that point. So the piece of advice that I'm going to give you is, is try it, you know, and, and try it, try it, not, not along the lines of here's a deed, sign it over to me, but along the lines of just asking, you know, saying something like, well, would you consider some kind of takeover payments deal where I became responsible for your principal interest, taxes, insurance, utilities, maintenance, repairs, management, all that kind of stuff, and just see how many people say yes. And I think you'll find that uh, a, a much, much bigger percentage than you think will say yes, but all, don't get seduced by the idea that any no money down deal is a good deal or that any low money down deal is a good deal because it's just not the case, particularly not today. It's question and answer week here on Real Life Real Estate Investing, 772-9658 or 877-772-9658 are the numbers to call with your questions or you may also, you may also uh, send us an email at askvina at gmail.com. We're going to take a quick break, after which we will address Mike's question as well as John John's question. I, saw, I actually got an email about this, about the dude who bulldozed his house. We'll be back right after this. Support for WMKV comes from the Real Estate Investors Association of Cincinnati, a nonprofit educational association with programs available for real estate investors at all levels of experience. RIA meets on the first and third Thursdays of every month. More information about RIA and their meetings is available at 859-292-7342. Well, suddenly uh, 75 has been kind of an uncomfortable place to be stuck in traffic this afternoon. We have uh, some new accidents. We have an accident northbound 75 north of Town Street on the right shoulder, southbound 75 at Lockland, and northbound 75 in Kentucky near the U.S. 42 ramp. And that uh, means 75 is probably not the place to go. Although we also have an accident now, 71 northbound, north of the Reagan Highway, no lane given. On the side streets, watch out for accidents. Blue Rock at Colerain, Clifton at Spring Grove, uh, Glenway at Grand. Your forecast this evening calls for cloudy skies, some scattered snow showers possible with a low around 22. Tomorrow, widely scattered snow showers a uh, high around 32 degrees. We could see mid-50s, or I'm sorry, mid-30s Friday and Saturday, and then uh, upper 30s Sunday, Monday, and maybe even some 40-degree temperatures next Tuesday. Maple Knoll Home Health is proud to support programming on WMKV. Maple Knoll Home Health, a home care agency for older adults, specializes in maintaining the health and independence of its clients in their very own homes. More information on Maple Knoll Home Health is available at 513-782-2546. Once again, that is 513-782-2546. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. I'm your host, Vina Jones-Cox, and it is question and answer week here on Real Life Real Estate as it is on the last Wednesday of every month. And we not only welcome your questions, we not to put too fine a point on it, beg for your questions. 
at 772-9658 or 877-772-9658 or at askvina at gmail.com. Don't sit there thinking, oh gosh, I'm too shy to ask a question. She probably doesn't want to hear from me. It's probably a stupid question. You don't get it. I got 48 minutes to fill here. I got no topic. If you don't have questions, I don't have anything to talk about. Uh, except for one thing, which is uh, please, please, please stop posting on the fan page and sending me emails about the show being up on iTunes. It is completely updated now, right up to last week. Thanks to Dave Shram here at the station. Uh, if you go to arigatas.com, go down to the lower left-hand corner, click the iTunes podcast button, and they're 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 all here, folks. You can you can stop asking. They're they're. I know you miss them. They're here. Okay, so yeah, you can you can stop asking me about those. Um, actually, got a question from uh, John here in Cincinnati about. Uh, let me find this one because I uh, uh, just also got a little cartoon from Mike about. Uh, Please don't bulldoze your house. Um, referencing a story that has actually been picked up in the national news about a guy here in the Cincinnati area who bulldozed his theoretically $350,000 house because the bank was going to take it. And I am looking at a local story here on the internet from one of the big local outlets that says the fellow in question says he owes $160,000 on the house and that it's a $350,000 house and he wasn't going to let the bank take it, so he tore it to the ground. This guy is being treated like an American hero. I, I, I've, I've, I've been following this story and I, I keep seeing comments from people saying, oh, this is, this is, you know, this is so great and, you know, he, should, he really showed that bank. You know, they, he shouldn't have let them take his house over a $160,000 mortgage. Folks, have some sense here, okay? A bank is not going to, okay, let me put it another way. Would a bank take a $350,000 house over an unpaid $160,000 mortgage? Yeah. If it were, in fact, a $160,000 mortgage, would it make any sense to bulldoze your house? No, you'd just sell it, and you'd pay off the mortgage, and you'd take a profit, right? This is not what happened here, okay? It is not difficult to find in the public record that the mortgage on this house is not for $160,000. It is for $655,000. It appears to me as if he refinanced the house, used it as collateral against a business, took $655,000 from the bank, and then tore down the house. And to, to say, well, you know, the banks, the banks get what they deserve. What the banks deserve is if you uh, borrow a lot of money from them and then you can't pay it back or don't want to pay it back, they deserve the collateral. Now, the, <laughs> they're taking a lot of damage in the collateral because you know we see a lot of cases where again the bank is owed 300 on a house that's only worth 150 and they are taking their lumps that way but to destroy the collateral rather than let the guy who gave you or the institution that gave you $655,000 have it that's not heroic and it's it's not cool and I'm I'm not any bigger a fan of the banks and the way they have behaved in the past 5 years as anybody else uh, than anybody else but um the the situation is not the way quite that it is being reported here and all, all i can say is this let's apply the golden rule theory would you have wanted to loan this guy 655 or even 160 and have him completely lay waste to the one thing that you had to have a chance to get your money back with i don't think so so 
let's please not act like this guy has done something wonderful. Um, question and answer week on Real Life Real Estate Investing. It is uh, 772-9658, 877-772-9658 if you're outside the greater Cincinnati area. And uh, you can also send us an email at askvina at gmail.com. I just got one from Penny in Wilmington, who uh, I am, in fact, going to see this weekend. Penny, I will be in Raleigh. I'll send you the information about that. Um, She says, we just learned that Money, I assume, magazine ranked our city as one of the most overvalued in the country. Great. (laughs) Time to look for bargains in areas where our investment dollar gets more bang for the buck. If you were going to purchase cash flowing rentals, what cities would you target? What would be good for multis versus single families? We want places where employment is stable. But where is that? (laughs) Actually, Benny, you want to know where employment is stable? It's the dead center of the country. It's like North Dakota, Nebraska. You know, they have they have unemployment rates down in the single digits and in some cases way down into the single digits, five, six percent. Where and, and when you think about why that is, a lot of California for instance, was being employed by the construction industry, which was both keeping people in jobs and also driving up prices. And when the whole thing collapsed, people's houses became worth less and they lost their jobs both. So uh, you really want to know where people have stable employment. It's dead center of the country. Um, I would I would take this whole thing about Wilmington being overvalued, quote unquote, with a little bit of a grain of salt, because uh, you got to look at what were the criteria there? You know, are they saying the houses are the houses cost a higher amount versus the amount of money people make on the average? Uh, Does it just mean it's the highest house prices for what you get in the area? You know, I, I don't know what that means. I generally tell people that the best place to invest in real estate is in your own backyard. And the one thing, of course, you can say about an area where houses are, quote, overvalued, is that that means people are paying more for them, which means if you can get a good deal on a junker, you can sell it. Uh, But I do at the same time know that there's a lot of folks from the East and West Coasts, from Florida, and maybe now from Wilmington, that are investing in the Midwest because of the prices that we can, you can get things for here versus the kind of rents that you can get. So if you're looking for a cash flow property and you want to invest in it out of state, which it sounds like you do, uh, there are, there, there's something very, 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 very important that you have to have. And that is a team on the ground where you plan to invest. And when I say a team, I mean a realtor, an appraiser, a contractor, a property manager, Okay, it's very difficult to evaluate properties in a market that you're not familiar with, unless you have somebody who really knows how to do it. And it's very difficult to manage properties from as far away as you are, unless you have someone who is really competent to do that. And uh, it's one thing to find a property manager, a different thing to find a competent property manager. Uh, I spent uh, five days last week in Orlando, Florida, teaching a class. And part of the class was we took people around to look at junker properties and, you know, estimate the repair costs and figure out the values and so on. And the first thing I had to get used to was that the properties there are still, despite the big drop off in prices, worth 20 to 30 percent more for the same house than they would be in Cincinnati. And the second thing I had to get used to 
is the rehab costs are different both because the labor prices are a little different and because the kind of rehab that they do there is very different. And I'll give you a, a for instance, um, first house my my general contractor and I walked around in, we were counting the windows because they were single pane aluminum sliding windows. And in Cincinnati, you see one of those windows, you replace it with double pane vinyl replacement windows because of the heating and cooling costs. Well, after we went around in a couple of houses and said, okay, 2000 for windows for this one, 3000 for this one, we started to catch on to the fact that none of the houses had replacement windows. Zero of them did. So we called up a local contractor and said, what's the deal with the windows around here? And they say, they said, if the glass isn't broken, broken, we don't replace them, period. So that knocked two or $3,000 off of what we thought the rehab costs were based on our market. We also discovered that the easiest way to deal with a rental property there in terms of flooring, ceramic tile on every floor, bedrooms, dining rooms, kitchens, bathrooms, everything, get ceramic tile. Not something you would do in Cincinnati, probably not something you would do in Wilmington. So I'm telling you this as an example of why you have to have somebody who actually knows what people expect wherever it is you're investing, or you're either going to under rehab, you're going to over rehab, you're going to miss things like uh, codes that wouldn't apply in Wilmington that would apply in Cincinnati. Um, there was a tree overhanging one of these houses in Florida that we were going to take down at a cost of about $1,200. And the local folks informed us that if you take out a tree in that county, you have to replant three. That's one of their rules. So uh, we suddenly decided we didn't need to take down the tree, just the branch that was overhanging the house. So first piece of advice, see what you can do in your own backyard. Second piece of advice, if you're going to invest out of the area, make sure that you have a team who can really and truly help you evaluate that and uh, continue to manage it after you have purchased it. And I thank you very much for your email, Penny. Uh, it's question and answer week here on Real Life Real Estate Investing. So if you have a question about anything regarding real estate investing, send it to askvina at gmail.com or give us a call at 772-9658 or 877-772-9658. Uh, going back to the emails, we have one here from um, Karen in Lexington, Kentucky who says, what is with the seasoning time period going on more now, especially, and she names a particular bank, is there any way around it? And Karen, what you're, what you're referring to here is something a little different than most people think of when they think of seasoning. When most people think of seasoning, they think about loan rules that say that if I bought a house today, I can't sell it tomorrow to a homeowner who's getting a Fannie Mae loan, an FHA loan, a VA loan, although FHA did pull back from that a couple of months ago, because they have this rule that says, if I just bought it, I have to hold on to it for somewhere between three and six months, depending on the lender, before the lender will write a mortgage against it. Or, okay, let's be more exacting, before FHA or VA will insure the mortgage or before Fannie Mae will buy the mortgage on it. And that's the, that's been an effect for golly, about uh, five, six years. But what you're talking about is in the case of short sales or bank-owned properties owned by the bank. So a short sale that the bank is accepting or a an REO being sold by the bank, <clears throat> some of these, particularly the bank that you named, 
which we will just call BOA for short, uh, are now when they when they accept your short sale. So you you find this you find this homeowner he owes one hundred fifty thousand on the house. It's not worth that. So you negotiate with the bank and they agree to take a hundred. In addition to the the letter saying yes, we'll accept your hundred thousand dollars. It also says and you cannot resell this property for X days. And I've seen twenty days. I've seen thirty days. Um, you can't sell it. Well, obviously, what this bank is trying to stop from happening is they're trying to stop you from wholesaling the property. They're trying to stop you from selling it at a higher price on the day of closing. That's that. That's what it's for. They figure if if it can be sold for a higher price, if you're paying a hundred and you get a hundred and ten for it, they want the hundred and ten so that they're only losing $40,000 instead of $50,000. And they figure this is a pretty good way to, to stop that. So the question of, is there any way around it? Uh, well, the answer is yes. <laughs> there actually is a way around it. And it, it, um, it involves, and, and Karen, I know, you're, I know you're aware of this because you, you took one of my classes, uh, contract the property in a land trust and don't sell the property sell the beneficial interest in the land trust because that's personal property. The beneficial interest in the land trust is personal property. It happens to convey the ownership of the property the land trust owns as well. And uh, the bank is not, is a not going to know about that because it's not, it's not a public transaction and B there's not a whole lot they can do about it anyway. So that would be my suggestion to you, Karen. And we need some more questions here on Real Life Real Estate Investing. It's question and answer day, so any question that you have is fair game. You can give us a call at 772-9658 or 877-772-9658. Or you can send us an email at askvina at gmail.com. Program support on WMKV comes from The Little Clinic, operating in 10 select Kroger locations in the Cincinnati area. The Little Clinic locations are staffed with licensed and board-certified nurse practitioners, specialists in family practice. They are authorized to diagnose, treat, and write prescriptions for common illnesses like bronchitis, respiratory, sinus, and ear infections, and the flu, as well as for minor injuries. Details at thelittleclinic.com. Checking on traffic right now, we have an accident on Sharon Road at Embassy Drive. Accident northbound 75 north of Town Street on the right shoulder, northbound 71 north of Reagan on the left shoulder, Clifton at Spring Grove, Blue Rock at Colerain, uh, Glenway at Grand with injuries, southbound 75 in Lachlan on the left shoulder, northbound 75 at US 42 in Kentucky, and in my old stomping grounds, Bridgetown at Glenway, an accident. Your delays include northbound 71 at Smith Edwards, and uh, southbound 71 approaching uh, the Lytle Tunnel, southbound 75 at Shepherd to Galbraith, and then approaching the Brent Spence Bridge, northbound 75, slows around Hopple Street, again at Mitchell, and then again Glendale Milford to 275. Your forecast from the National Weather Service this evening, clouds, some few uh, scattered snow showers uh, with a low tonight around 22 degrees, maybe a few snow showers tomorrow with a high of 32, but no accumulations or no significant accumulations expected uh, beyond this point. Friday, cloudy skies, some wind gusts of up to 30 miles per hour, some snow showers as well, a high of 35. We'll be in the mid-30s again on Saturday, upper 30s Sunday and Monday, maybe even 40 degrees again on Tuesday and Wednesday of next week. It's sunny right now here at 89.3 WMKV. The WMKV Spring Fundraiser is coming up March 10th through the 16th. 
and we need phone volunteers for all times of the day, mornings, afternoons, and evenings. It's a wonderful opportunity to help your favorite public radio station for nostalgia, music, and so much more. It's food, friends, and fun. Individuals, couples, or groups are all welcome. Call WMKV today at 513-782-2427 to get involved and help out with a phone shift. That's 513-782-2427. You don't have to make outgoing calls. You just help us take calls. And thanks for helping WMKV. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. I'm your host, Vina Jones-Cox. It is question and answer week. And uh, our number's here in the studio for your questions about any aspect of real estate investing are 772-9658 or 877-772-9658. Or you can send us an email at askvina at gmail.com. If you do that, please remember to let us know from where you are writing. Uh, Robert in Hudson, Ohio says, assume that you are familiar with the law in Ohio that requires a person to hold a real estate license in order to manage property. Some exceptions to this law apply, such as an owner of a property being allowed to manage his own property. Does this law mean that a member of an LLC cannot manage property owned by the LLC that he created? It's a real interesting question, Robert, because up until a couple of years ago, I would have told you, yeah, 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 you can you can manage your own properties. Don't don't worry about that. Uh, but there was actually some a, a case uh, tried administratively here in the state a couple of years ago where the uh, Division of Real Estate found somebody who was managing properties in an LLC that he owned and said, you can't do that except through a real estate brokerage. And he said, that's completely wrong. It's a single member LLC. The um, IRS doesn't even give it a tax ID number. Why does it matter? And the conclusion that they came to was you cannot both say that me and my LLC are different people and then say, but I can manage it because we're the same. So at least in theory, yes, you have to have a license to manage property uh, for your LLC. Now, the interesting thing about that is what the law actually says is that you have to have a license to buy, sell, manage, etc. properties on behalf of another person, which they've determined that an LLC is another person, for a profit or for for a fee or for some, some sort of... Uh, you know, recompense. And, and I would argue that most people who are managing properties for their LLC don't get paid to do that. Now, you know, maybe the legal argument could be made that you're kind of getting paid because your LLC is later giving you money from the tenant who rented the property. But I can tell you that uh, the the administrative organization that uh, controls all of this says that yes you have to have somebody somebody whose license has to manage the properties in your LLC whether that's you or somebody else is the board going to typically like go after you for managing properties that you own in your LLC I don't think so but that's um, that's 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 what they're saying so there you go okay uh, we need to go to the phones and talk to Mary on line one who's calling from Colorado Mary welcome to real life real estate Mary, are you there? Can you hear me? It sounds like the line's open, but I don't hear Mary. Are we having a phone line problem or? <laughs> I hear 
He says, hold on. Mary, can you hear me? Mary's not there. But okay, Mary's not there. Let's try Paul on lane two. Oh, Paul is most definitely not there. <laughs> Are we having one of those phone things going on again? Uh, Mary and Paul, you might. Hi, we don't know who this is. Hi, who have I got? This is Paul in Cincinnati. Hi, Paul. <laughs> we, were having, we were having a little bit of trouble actually getting the phone answered there. So, uh, good. Thanks for calling. What's your question? Um, I have a question for you. I... Uh, found somebody who was in a situation where um, a short sale would have been great. He had uh, this was uh, he had investment property, um, and um, I was trying to you know tell him the benefits of a of a short sale over foreclosure. I said it would be quicker, less stressful for them, um, and we can reduce the chance that he'd get a deficiency judgment by putting that in the co- contract. We could at least try for that. Mm-hmm. Um, but his main, I think stumbling block was he didn't want to release any income or tax information to me. Um, he decided to ride the foreclosure train, and then if, if he gets a certificate or a deficiency judgment planning on filing bankruptcy, mm-hmm. what more could I have told him to, to convince him that the short sale was the way to go? Well, I, I assume when you say he didn't want to release any financial or tax information, you wanted it for the purpose of giving it to the bank because they wanted it. Correct, and I explained to him that he had already provided that information when he took out the loan a few years ago, so, mm-hmm. uh, you know, he just didn't want to do it again. Mm-hmm. Well, I think, Paul, the, the main thing there was he just wasn't that motivated. Okay. Uh, you, there, it's surprising how many people in foreclosure are not motivated to go through the short sale process, sell their property, etc. Mm-hmm. And there are a lot of reasons for that. In the case of investors, it is often that... You know, it takes six to eight months for a bank to complete a foreclosure mm-hmm. here in Ohio, which means if I have occupied rental properties, I could theoretically collect six to eight months worth of rent off of each of them, you know, blow off the utility companies for, for the last two or three months as well, mm-hmm. uh, not pay the taxes, mm-hmm. you know, because those are going to be cleared in the foreclosure. And, you know, I could put a tidy little sum in my pocket yeah. By letting this happen. Now, is that the right thing to do? Probably not. But is mm-hmm. that the way some folks are going to think? Yeah. yeah. Uh, similarly with homeowners, they will often uh, decide or even, even sometimes get advice from their attorneys that say, look, the bank's going to be minimum of six months in getting you out of this house. We can probably stretch it out another three or four months. Why don't you just stay there and live rent free? Mm-hmm. And you know, save up your pennies to to go rent a house, and you know that's that's better than anything, any other option that you have out there. Yeah. So you know, some people just aren't motivated to do it. the The okay. ones that the ones that are uh, are typically um, thinking along the lines of, I want to make this as right as I can. Mm-hmm. You know, I did borrow the money. <laughs> things went things went wrong. The house isn't worth what it used to be worth. Maybe I lost my job or was laid off for a while. But I want to I want to at least try and make it right with the bank, and I want to not completely destroy my credit. Mm-hmm. You didn't have a guy like that. Right. You had a guy. You had a guy who was perfectly willing to declare bankruptcy <laughs> if they if right. they if they took if they went after deficiency judgment. Now I will I will tell you one one thing that I always tell sellers in a short sale situation. I say, I'm going to write this contract. I'm going to work my butt off for the next, you know, however long this takes, four or five months, to try and show the bank that this is a good offer and, and get them to agree with it, to it. And at the end, if they will not, if they will not release the deficiency judgment in writing, mm-hmm. you don't have to sell to me. Yeah, I, I explained that to him clearly, and, and he understood that. 
uh, I think that, that releasing the tax and income information was the, the bigger stumbling block. Which means, as you said, he wasn't that motivated because the bank already has it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's like, like like they can't pull his credit report right now, right? I mean, they've got his social security yeah. number in their right. file. You know, they had his financial information at the time. That, that that's just that's just a way of that of that seller saying to you, "I'm really not that motivated." Yeah, well, I appreciate that, and I wonder too if you know maybe sometimes it isn't a generational thing because this was a gentleman in the '70s, and you know, my parents were the same that you don't give out your personal information. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, well, I the other that comes into the, play. the other funny generational thing though is that I find a much higher percentage of older sellers who are in that category of. I, I can't make it right personally, but I'm going to do everything I can to make it right, so you go make mm-hmm. it right, mm-hmm. uh, versus a lot of younger sellers who are kind of like, eh, you know, it's the, kind of kind of the bank's bad luck, I guess. Yeah. And uh, I find that a lot of times older sellers are more cooperative in working with you on the short sale because they were brought up that you, you pay your debts, and they're in a position where they cannot mm-hmm. do that. But um, they they want to do the short sale because they see that as a way of making it as right as they can. Yeah. Well, that's a good way to frame it next time I have the opportunity. Okay. Very good. Thank you for your call, Paul. Okay. Let's go back to line one and try to talk once again to Mary in Colorado. Hi. Uh, hi, Mary. Hi, Dina. Um, it was on that call you said to, to buy the to contract the property in a land trust. Mm-hmm. Do you use um, LLCs also, or only land trusts? Uh, I only use land trusts for that purpose, and I know I know that LLCs are an option. Okay, I know that that a similar kind of deal can be done with a limited liability company. However, in a lot of states, limited liability companies are uh, charged a yearly franchise fee that land trusts are not. So even if even if you're using what they call a disregarded LLC that doesn't create a new a new EIN number, new tax return for your eventual buyer, you are still creating for them a fee that they're going to have to pay every year that ranges from 100 bucks up to in some states 400, $500 and the land trust is a lot is a lot simpler because in most states, not all of them, but in in most states, land trusts don't carry a fee like that. Uh-huh. So that's kind of why I prefer to use the land trust. And, and that way, uh, with the land trust, of course, they can take the beneficial interest in any entity they already have, in any in any entity they want. Oh, okay. I got you. That makes sense. Yeah, and 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 of course, the other the other issue is yeah, how much does it cost to set up an LLC in your state? You know, here. It's pretty cheap, but my partner is in Illinois, and it's like six hundred dollars. Yeah, it's yeah. Like Fifty bucks in Colorado. Yeah, see here, it's like a hundred and fifty, and that's if you order like speedy service, get it back in three days, kind of thing. So it's not too bad. But I know in and in we some don't, states, we don't pay a franchise fee here yet. But you never know. I mean, mm-hmm. they're looking for ways to generate revenue, so I would imagine it comes up eventually. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. What All right, I- that was a good explanation. Thanks a lot. <laughs> You're very welcome, nice Mary. Nice to talk to you. Thank you. Bye. You too. Thank you very much for your call, Mary. Uh, you're listening to Real Life Real Estate Investing. If you're wondering how all these nice folks are able to get on the phone and ask their many and varied and good real estate questions, it's because they have this phone number. Write it down, 772-9658. If you are calling within the greater Cincinnati area, if you're calling from outside the area, as Mary did, you can give us a call toll-free at 877-772-9658, or you can send us an email at askvina at gmail.com. 
Program support comes from the Cincinnati Pops, where you can melt the last of winter away with a jolt of hot swing. Audiences around the world know that when it comes to big band, the Cincinnati Pops can swing. Joining them for a smoking hot time is Anne Hampton Calloway, vocalist, pianist, and star of the hit Broadway musical Swing, February 26th, 27th, and 28th at Music Hall. Tickets available at CincinnatiPops.org. Checking on traffic, and I think I have to put the traffic up here. There it is. Uh, we have uh, Accident Sharon at Embassy, also Bridgetown and Glenway, uh, Gloss at Ridge, uh, Northbound 75 at Town Street, Northbound 71 north of Reagan on the left side, the one on 75 north of Town Street on the right side, Clifton at Spring Grove, Blue Rock at Coleraine, Glenway at Grand with injuries, and still have that accident Northbound 75 at the exit ramp to 42 in Kentucky a single vehicle off the road. Your forecast tonight, uh, cloudy skies, maybe a few blowing snow showers. Tonight's low 22 degrees. Tomorrow, cloudy skies, scattered snow showers, high around 32. And then uh, Friday, Saturday, highs in the mid-30s, maybe even the upper uh, 30s on Sunday and Monday, and then possibly back into the 40s again so we can get some good melting going on as early as next Tuesday. But right now, we're right around 31 degrees here at 89.3 WMKV. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. It's question and answer week here on Real Life Real Estate. Uh, For those of you who are listening to one of our podcasts or have downloaded the program, Real Life Real Estate is every Wednesday at 5 p.m. EST. That's Eastern Standard Time. And you can listen at wmkvfm.org. I I especially uh, encourage you to listen week after next when we are going to be uh, in the middle of our fun drive. Now you say, oh gosh, I've listened to fun drive on public radio in my area and they're just boring and they're like talking about, you know, I can get this coffee mug and, you know, pledge this and give me that and so on. It's different here on Real Life Real Estate Investing. On the Fund Drive, we're going to be offering you a very, very special package of education in real estate investing that is especially good for the new investor wherever you are in the country. And all the proceeds go to support the continued production and airing of Real Life Real Estate Investing here on WMKV. It is not cheap to produce even a local talk show where the um, host is paid minimal dollars to come in here each week and do this because (laughs) I think I'm about to get my very first dollar that I've ever gotten for this. This is great. See, money is everywhere, folks. You just gotta, you just gotta know how to get it. (laughs) Um, There's still the, you know, they got, gotta, gotta keep the studios running, gotta keep that, keep that uh, website going. The, 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 The live streaming is not cheap. The uh, getting it up for the podcast is not cheap, and uh, since you don't have to listen to commercials here or people pitching courses or hype, well, except for that week, or hyping, you know, education that you don't even know if it's any good or not, we do ask that you support the show when the fun drive rolls around, and we do ask that you listen to the show, particularly on March the 10th. Question here from, well, we got Colorado questions coming out of our ears today. Manuel in Peyton, Colorado. He says, we live in Colorado Springs. We own a rental property in North Carolina, another property in South Carolina, and just bought another property here in the Springs. Okay, let me go back 
Penny's question, Penny who lives in South Carolina's question, uh, and say another thing, Penny, that I would recommend is if you are going to buy rental properties in a particular area, stick to one area. (laughs) That way you don't have to have teams like all over the country. Uh, He says, our question is we want to set up a company and structure it correctly. Ideally, put the properties under a land trust and then put the land trust under an LLC. What do you believe is the best structure to buy and hold properties? Our overall goal would be to buy and hold to provide us with passive income now and down the road. Okay, uh, Manuel, you've got the you've got the order wrong uh, of the land trust and the LLC. The land trust would be the public owner of the property. If I were to look in the public record at your rental property, I would see that it was owned by the One Two Three Easy Street Land Trust. The beneficiary of the trust would be the LLC. So it's not that the land trust is under the LLC. It's kind of if somebody's got to be over and somebody's got to be under, the land trust is over and the LLC is under. You're probably going to just want to form a Colorado LLC. You'll have to register that LLC as a foreign business in North and South Carolina. And you will be subject to the laws of North and South Carolina for your properties in North and South Carolina. If you want to have a land trust on top of that, uh, that's a fairly common way of structuring ownership. But here, here's what you have to realize. The land trust is for privacy purposes. The LLC is for asset protection and tax planning purposes. The land trust has no asset protection value and it has no effect on what kind of taxes you pay. The LLC is simply to keep people from easily finding out that you, or in this case, your LLC owns the property. Um, Did I say land contract? I meant say land trust. See, I am doing the thing that everybody does, which is mix those terms up. The land land trust uh, puts an extra layer of privacy between your LLC and the public. Um, Why do you care? Well, maybe you do and maybe you don't. Some people are more paranoid about that than others. But I can tell you that it is pretty easy if if I were to look up your property in the public record in, let's say, South Carolina, and it said it was owned by Gonzalez LLC, which was a Colorado LLC, and I went into the business records in Colorado, I could probably find out who you personally were pretty quickly. If you have the property in a land trust, that is all private. So the question is, how much privacy do you want? The land trust doesn't cost a lot. It doesn't have any tax effect. Uh, and unless North and South Carolina are some of those states that actually charge an additional yearly fee for land trusts, and as far as I know, they're not, um, there's no reason not to have one. And, uh, of course, the LLC in Colorado. Uh, at some point, you are going to want to have a second LLC to also own properties. And that point comes when you decide you have too much at risk within that LLC Because the purpose of the limited liability company is to limit your liability to the assets of the company. If if structured right and maintained correctly and assuming that you personally don't do something to injure someone, uh, in theory, what's up for grabs in the case of a lawsuit is what is in that LLC. There There will come a point when you say, holy cow, I have 10 properties and they're all in the same LLC, so effectively I've put all my eggs in one basket and if something happens to that basket, I'm wiped out. And you might uh, very well decide that you need a second LLC that would own some of the properties and then maybe a third one or fourth one, depending on how many you end up acquiring. Uh, Most people also have a um, separate LLC for each large building that they own. 
if you have like a six unit, 12 unit, 50 unit, etc., uh, you don't normally stick multiple units uh, in that sort of LLC. You put one in each. Okay, let's see. Um, Scott in St. Paul, Minnesota says, I'm not familiar with what happens to the credit of a defaulting owner during the foreclosure process. Is it possible to get the bank to cease negative credit reporting on the loan while the nego- while in the negotiation process so as to give the owner additional incentive to stop the bleeding? Uh, well, Scott, uh, no one has ever asked me that question before, and I, it has never occurred to me that an owner might want to continue to negotiate with you because the negative credits were not being reported anymore. Um, I think the chances of you getting like, oh, Citibank, Bank of America, Wells Fargo, some of the folks who are doing a lot of foreclosures to make an exception to their normal policy of reporting every month that somebody is late uh, are kind of slim. And I'm not sure that I'll have to think about it, but I'm not sure that that would be a really, really good additional come on to the seller to say, oh, and by the way, I can get the bank to stop doing negative credit reporting. Normally, by the time somebody goes into foreclosure, they have pretty much exhausted every avenue that they have of making payments. They have maxed out their credit cards. They have... Um, you know, often sold personal property. They've gotten behind on their car payments. They may have even sold one car so that they're down to a one car family. They have other negatives on their credit report other than just the late payments that are due to the bank. So I'm not sure this would be, this would make a really big difference to the typical um, foreclosure seller, but it, it's an interesting question. And I will, I will think about it some more. A question from Debbie in Walton, Kentucky. She says, what's the best way to identify potential private lenders and how do you approach them? I'm going to preface this, Debbie, by saying I'm going to assume that before you approach a private lender, you have already done the necessary filings with your state to be able to even take private money and uh, that we can just get right past that and move on to the actual question. Um, I'll tell you what what I have found and what almost everybody that I listen to that teaches about private money has found and what most of my students have found is that the very best place to start looking for private money is within your sphere of influence. Your friends, your family, your colleagues, their friends, okay? Because that that is where you have sort of an automatic higher level of credibility. Well, maybe not with your family. I mean, I know that reaction that they have of, you know, you go to your rich, rich Uncle Joe and he says, oh, isn't that cute? Debbie's trying to buy a house. I remember her when she was knee-high to a grasshopper and sticking beans up her nose. And they just think it's, you know, cute that you're trying to buy a house now that you're 40, right? But uh, with other family, friends, colleagues, etc., um, they know you and they know that they know your personality. They know that you're not going to cheat them, that you're, you know, you have their best interests at heart, etc., And uh, you don't have to overcome that with those folks. Once you have used some of those folks as private lenders, they typically tell their friends and colleagues about this great deal they made where they're getting 8% interest on their money. And then then their friends want to know more. And they they come to you and say, 
how do I get that same deal? So that is the the best place to start. In terms of how you approach them, um, don't 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 be like you're in an MLM. Okay, this isn't a lose weight now, ask me how kind of thing. This is a um, more subtle approach. Like you know, hey, I'm 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 buying a lot of real estate. You probably know that. Uh, I I need I'm looking for some money partners. And if you had some money in an, uh, an investment uh, IRA, a retirement plan, that sort of thing, or, or just that you're looking to invest. Um, I play. I pay a pretty good late rate of return, and you don't really have any responsibility about management or anything else. Uh, so, you know, if you'd like to talk about that, I'd love to take you out to lunch. You know, you don't give them the whole full blown sales pitch of here's how much I pay and here's how I'm going to protect you and all those sorts of things that that you reserve for when you're actually taking them to lunch, right? So, um, you know, at that point, you uh, you talk to them about the pros and the cons and the ways that you're going to protect them. Uh, it's a really good idea, and in fact, is is required by the law of most states that you also have a disclosure. That basically, when you look at disclosure, it names like twenty five different ways in which they might lose money, uh, but uh, and and they need to sign that and so on. But you know, again, if it's friends, family, colleagues, they're going to understand that this is a legal disclosure and that you're going to do everything you can to keep it from happening. So, thank you very much for your question, Debbie, and to all the folks who asked great questions today remember to fan us up at realliferealestateradio.com to get your weekly e-letter about uh, what's going on on real life real estate as well as an informative and educational article we will be back next week with more information to put you on the path to financial independence through real estate investing until then happy investing Fox 19 News coming up next. High definition, the Fox 19 Evening News at 6. I myself, as well as Toyota, am not perfect. At times, we do find defects. The president of Toyota telling Congress that he feels deep sorrow over the deaths being blamed on design flaws, and he vows to fix all those problems. Good evening, I'm Dan Carroll. I'm Trisha Mackey. While the president of Toyota makes that statement, Toyota execs show up in Cincinnati, representing what has become a troubled car company. Fox 19's Dan Wells is at the Duke Energy Center. We are going to check in with him in just a few moments, find out about what those executives have to say. As for the 2010 Cincinnati Auto Expo, we got the preview today. Special media preview held today. The event opens to the public tomorrow through Sunday. The latest new models, including the ones from Toyota, will be showcased, and they'll provide buyers the opportunity to compare vehicles. Earlier in the show, we're going to step right out here into the newsroom, check in with Ratina McCann, who is following, developing, and breaking stories. What do you have? Hey, Trisha, well, lots of people have already heard about this killer well attack. We have the very latest on what's going on at SeaWorld Orlando. Apparently, one of the trainers slipped into the tank at the Orlando SeaWorld. Officials not sure how the 40-year-old veteran died, though. One witness says the killer well actually took off fast in the tank. 
shot into the air in front of the audience and then attacked the trainer. Now, other reports say that the trainer drowned in the tank. Either way, the San Diego SeaWorld has already decided to close for the day and also halt all of the killer whale shows going on there and at the one in front.